Okay, so I'm gonna talk to you this morning about promises, all right? Isn't that good? <laughs> I'm gonna talk to you about promises. I'm gonna talk to you though about promises coming to the point where we get to experience the promises. Um, I'll be honest with you, this, is, this has been an interesting morning for me because it's the first morning since I've uh, taken over this church that my alarm did not go off. And so I woke up calmly, like, uh, it was like sun is out. I'm like, oh my. I'm like, then Tiffany is like, oh my gosh. And so it was funny because before I went to bed, I'm like, I really feel like I'm supposed to talk about this and I'm pretty comfortable on the topic, but we'll just see what we feel in the morning. I woke up, I'm like, definitely talking about that. <laughs> definitely talking about that. And so uh, it's, um, how many of you know that if you are in an atmosphere like this, probably by the end of if not one service, by the end of a month, somebody's gonna come up to you, I hope, and prophesy over you and speak life into you and speak promises into you. And that's really the culture that we are really passionately uh, developing here is a a culture of promises because he's a God of promises. You can't hang around him and not get promises. And one of the most unique passages for me has always been about Abraham. Abraham carried this promise for 24 years from the Lord that he was going to be a father of nations. But he was in his, I think, about mid-70s when he got that word. Hello. And for 24 years, he carried this word, and he carried it, and he carried it, and nothing happened. Anyone ever felt that way with your promises? Anyone honest enough to say, I have felt that way with my promises? <laughs> if you did this in your seat, I know that's you too. Sometimes we, we carry these promises and, and you know, it's like, a, you know it's, it's almost like a mother who's carrying a baby. How many of you know that, um, I remember when Tiffany on our, every, every one of the babies, I mean, you get to that nine month mark and, all of a sudden that what felt like was just that beautiful glow. It's like, oh. And, and the, just the, the, how many know on just the weight on the body of someone that's been carrying that baby for that long, it starts to wear you out. Ladies, I'm talking like I've been there, but I mean, I, I've kind of been there with my wife. And, you know, it's, you, you come to that, you come to the end and all of a sudden it's like you just, things have transitioned mentally and it's like, I want to meet this baby right? I I want to hold this baby. I want this baby out of me, and I want to hold this baby. And I feel like so often for a church atmosphere like this, where there's promises, 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 people carry promises. And how many know after carrying it for a while, it can almost be like, I just want to meet this promise. And I want to read to you this morning, if you have your Bibles, just or your phones or whatever you read it on, go to Genesis 15 for me. Genesis 15, verse 2. Genesis 15, verse 2 says, But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. How many of you know it never works good to try to figure it out in your own head when God gives you a word? You can hear Abram trying to figure this thing out. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky. Ah, I love this passage. Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall be your offspring. (laughs) Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. And I I find this, this an interesting passage. I don't know exactly what it means when he said, if indeed you can count them. I don't know if it just means it's so vast I don't know if it means that his eyesight was getting blurry. But he said, go outside your tent. He said, look up, look at all the stars. If you can, count them. Because that's how many kids are going to be flowing from your heritage. 
and, and Abram's just trying to figure out one. How many of you know if your vision can be accomplished on your own, it's probably not big enough? He's trying to figure out, well, how can I do this without God? That's how many of us like to run our ministries, run our churches is, well, how can I do this without him? I watched a video recently by one of the speakers, Bill Vanderbush, It's gonna be coming to our conference and he said something on the video. He said, when I first started pastoring, he said, we were all about excellence, but we were to excellence with an unhealthy, we all the way to an unhealthy place of excellence. He said, we, we wanted everything to be perfect. And we, we, he said, we spent hours and hours and hours, like every ounce of our service was perfect. And, and he said that my, and he had, his father was a pretty well-known minister too. And he said, I remember once our church was starting to grow, I had my dad come in and he said, I was proud to show my dad our church. And he said, my dad was sitting there looking around and he said, I was proud. And he said, I asked my dad and said, dad, what do you think? And his dad said, wow, he said, this really is excellent. He said, you guys have got this down so packed, you don't even need the Holy Spirit to show up. (laughs) Thanks, dad. (laughs) It wasn't a slam. It was that he was saying, you haven't even made room for the Holy Spirit. You don't even need him because you've put it all together without him. And, and, and sometimes we get to the point where we've got the promise and we're trying to figure out how can I do it? And Abram got this, conf, this promise and he was saying, all right, let's, let's think this through. I got some options. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. You're gonna have a son. And Abram, this passage said Abram believed. Everybody say believe. Currently Abraham is Abram in this scripture and he's received the word of the Lord And this is quite a doozy of a promise. He did good. He believed. I mean, that's step one. He believed. Years go by. Abraham makes a a, a big mistake, and he decides that he still hasn't encountered his promise yet. And so he says, maybe I can help the Lord out. So Abraham had this bright idea of having a child of, with his servant, Hagar. Attempting to make promises happen your own way is a dangerous thing to do. Attempting to bring forth promises before it's time can be a dangerous thing to do. I meet people all the time, especially people like late teens, early 20s that have grown up in this kind of culture of promises, exciting. And they've had these prophetic words over their life. You're gonna reach the nations. And like, you can feel it in them. They're like like a racehorse, like open the gates for me. And sometimes you know that God's still developing them. And they're in a season of belief, but he's developing you. And sometimes, you know, they, they try to force that door open. And Abram at this point decided, I'm going to help out. And so flipping to the next chapter, Genesis 17, verse 1 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. (laughs) Then I will make a covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. I didn't mention, sorry, I'm gonna pause right there. I didn't mention one of our growth track was on covenants, did I? Mike is doing one on five covenants. This is important because you'll understand this, that God was making a covenant here with Abraham. But that's the Abrahamic covenant. It's not our covenant. Come to the growth track. Verse three, Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you, you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I've made you a father of many nations. So here's Abraham, 99 years old. (laughs) He's been carrying this promise for quite a while. 24 years, he is caring and he is believing. And he even had his name before this was like, uh, it was something father. His name meant father still. And I could imagine, you know, back 
in, in, in that time, how many you know, names meant a lot. They're, they're a lot more than what they mean now, honestly. And, and he's already carrying this title that is about being a father. And so, but uh, here he says, well, I'm going to change my name to father of many nations. So if you haven't already taken some ridicule, I'm going to up my name to father of many nations. When everyone says, you're not even a father. Are you with me? Verse 15, God also said to Abraham, I want you, I'm sorry, I, I jumped to the wrong passage. Stay where we were. So the Lord comes in and says that, Abram, it's time to change one thing. Your identity actually needs to match your promise. You've believed it. It's time to become it. Twenty-four years ago, he got the word. It's done pretty good. And now it's time to go from believing the word to becoming the word. But most of you think to become the word, God has to fulfill the word. That's not what happened. He became the word before it was ever fulfilled. He aligned his identity with it. Chapter 17, verse 6 says, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the, nation, for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And God also said to Abraham, realize there, God's calling him Abraham. Previously, he was Abram. God has already established a new identity, and now he's addressing him as Abraham. And God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her, and I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down, and he laughed. <laughs> <laughs> and said to himself, will the son be born of a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Okay, I'm gonna stop there. I want you to catch something that's really big because Abraham says, if only Ishmael could be blessed. In other words, if you could only bless what I've already done. Instead of me having to step into this completely new place, it would help me out a lot if you'd bless what I already did. I know we don't think this way, but Abraham fell down and he laughed. I would even challenge you to say this. I love it when God's promises are so crazy, all you really know to do is laugh. Okay. You know, you know what I mean? Some of you are really spiritual and like, so be it. You know, some, and some are like, it's <laughs> crazy. Really? And he says to God, he says, okay, I'm 100. She's 90. It'd be really helpful instead of starting over. She'd already bless what we've done. And he's calling him into something new. He's calling him into this unfamiliar territory and, and often he's calling us into this unfamiliar territory. And our response is often, but if you'd already blessed what I've already done, it'd be so much easier. Many times what we do is we, we, build, these, we build these wine skins and then we ask God to fill them instead of finding out what God's pouring out and building a wine skin around it. My heart is never to create my own thing and say, okay, God, I've, I've done a pretty good job here. If you'd come in and fill it now, that'd be great. When God is saying, I'm already pouring out, you need to learn how to build around what I'm doing. 
So, so here he is, and Abraham has done this full circle. He received a promise in his mid-70s, and he believed. Somewhere in the middle, he got tired of waiting, and he said, I'm going to try to help out a little bit. At the age of 99, the Lord came to him and said, you know, it's time for your identity. It's time for who you are to match the promise over your life. And within one year, the promise was born. Many of us are like Abraham when we receive the words and we believe it, which is good. It's part of it, but there's more to it than just believing it. There actually has to be a place where you become it. And then you get to receive it. I'm not going to flip to all the passages just because I'm getting a late start this morning, but in, in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 2, it talks about when uh, Mary received word that she was going to have a baby. And it talks about the shepherds received word also that the Savior was going to be born. And the Bible says that the shepherds were the shepherds were amazed, but Mary pondered. I think that I think that if, if we're not careful, we come into a real um, prophetic culture, a real promise-filled culture, and someone speaks something over in you, and, and you get amazed and and yay, I believe it. And then, you know, then what? Well, now. And then you've carried it. And then what happens is, is you've carried it so long, if you're not careful, someone else will bring another word to you, and then all of a sudden there's doubt. Well, the last word didn't happen. Right? Right? And I can preach this out of really good experience. I have so many words written down. But, but there's a pattern that we see that at some point it had to transition from, Abraham, you've believed it for 24 years, but you're missing something. For you to actually receive it, you have to go from believing it to becoming it. And I know that messes with some of your heads, but let me kind of break it down just a little bit. Something has to go from Mary, Mary received the word from the angel. She received it. She pondered it, and then says she treasured it. You have to get the word from here to here to become it. How you get it from here to here is pondering it. I hate to use this example because it's not that great, but it's the truth. You ever, we'll say seen someone, I won't ask you if you've done it. You ever seen someone? that told a lie or told something for so long that it actually became blurry if it ever happened or not. Why? They pondered it so much that it became, it started becoming their reality. The principle is biblical. There's a point that you can believe, you can tell something. There's a point that people can tell stories so long, they can tell the story over and over and over and over, sometimes to the point where they actually don't even know if it did or didn't happen. Like if it didn't happen, they can tell it, tell it, tell it, and all of a sudden you actually begin to believe it. All of us were, if you haven't done it as an adult, you may have done it as a child. You told your friends over and over and over about something, and you actually start believing it. Mary did that with the promises. God gave it to her, and she pondered it, and she pondered it, and she pondered it, and she pondered it to the point where it actually became her reality. That's how we take words that go from here to here. You have to ponder it. You have to, you literally have to rehearse it in your head. Can we just be practical for a minute? Like, like let's be uh, practical about all of this. You have to take it and speak it Sometimes write it. Sometimes imagine it. I can't tell you how many times I have imagined this room packed full of people worshiping the Lord when there wasn't no people here. 
and imagined it. I actually remember, this, is, this sounds funny, this is crazy. It's probably when I was like 16 or 15. I was just taking piano lessons and no one was here. I, and um, I would come up here and I would play and I would imagine I was leading worship in front of hundreds of people. Oh, everybody's, I hear that. It might have been my mom. Oh, stop it. I would, I would come up here. The keyboard was here. And I would play and I would play and I'd, do it again, guys. There's nobody here. And I'm jamming out, man. And I'm jamming out, like, come on, guys, raise your hands. Nobody here. But you know what? It became my reality. It became my reality. And then I got to lead worship with hundreds of people. And I got ready to lead worship with five people. And I've led worship with all different sizes of groups of people. But because I let it ponder from here to here, and I said, I'm going to rehearse it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to imagine it. Abraham, God said, it's got to go from the point of you just, well, that's great. I believe it to actually make your name that. And here's the even crazy part. Your name's going to mean father of nations. That's not going to be awkward. That's not going to be an awkward name change. Oh, Abram's going down to the name changing office. And well, I'm actually going to tweak my name just a little bit, guys. We're going to make it Abraham. <laughs> You're a hundred, bro. You're a hundred, father of many nations. And actually, while I'm here, my wife, Sarai, who had this really cool name about a princess, she's going to become Sarah, mother of nations. You guys do know your age, right? <laughs> Just doing what God said. Sometimes you just got to go for it, guys. And just say, you know what? I really don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm going to go for it. I want you to grab this. Mary pondered it. Mary pondered it. Mary pondered it. She let it go and she, and she treasured it. She kept it close. She didn't put it out just for anybody to tear it apart. I tell people that all the time. One of the most important things you can do is treasure your words. Don't throw them out there for somebody to rip them apart. Sometimes there's places that you come into that it's just the fact that people are gonna hear it, but don't just take your word and throw it out to somebody that you know is a doubting person and gonna rip it apart. I got no time for that. I personally have no time for that. The people I tell my words to are gonna be the people that are like, let's do it. Like, like I, I, even the team in this church are people that like, they're, they're, they support it. When I told them that, that word, that dream I had from the Lord about this change to the conference, which meant a nightmare on the back end administratively. And I shot this video and I'm thinking, I think they may get mad at me. All the responses were, that's amazing. I love it. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Because that's who I want to be around. I, I love that. And that's one of the ways that you steward it. You treasure your word. And here's, here's Abraham, 24 years of carrying it. He says, okay, I'm actually going to become it. And God says, all right, finally. And within three months, she's pregnant. He said, I've made you a father of nations. Whew. I believe that it's important to make proclamations. I think it's important to make declarations and I do all of that. But I do think that there's some point that it actually has to possess you. You know, if someone's demon possessed, you expect them to act like the devil. When someone is Jesus possessed, I expect them to act like Jesus. And I want to get to the point where when the people around me, they say he's, have we almost, I feel like when I, it's almost like we've given the word possessed over to the devil. I want to be possessed by Jesus. I want to be Jesus possessed when people, that's another t-shirt, write that one down. I'm Jesus possessed. It's like, I just want people to get around me and be like, man, this guy is like possessed by Jesus. I mean, he just, <laughs> I want to be filled to the point that I don't just believe it. It possesses me. And I become it. <laughs> Abram can say all day, I'm going to be the father of nations, but at some point he had to let it possess him to the point that he changed his identity to align with it. 
And then something big happened. Years and years and years and years of waiting. It came time. A word that he laughed at. Can you imagine just that conversation with God and Abraham? He just laughed. God didn't get offended. God's like, I know it sounds funny. It's true, Abraham. If what you're dreaming isn't laughable, you're not dreaming big enough. Words that Tiffany and I have received and people in this church have received are sometimes so big. that you can laugh at them. (laughs) And sometimes we do chuckle. Like, that's kind of (laughs) funny. But let's do it. Because I actually believe it. And I actually will become it. It says in in Romans 4.16, therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He's the father of us all. As it's written, I've made you a father of many nations. He's our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. He loves calling things. It's so easy when he calls it and you already think it's there. Those are easy. Well, I thought that was there. It's when he calls it out and you're like, whoa, (laughs) that was not on the radar. Are you guys hearing me? Are you with me? I mean, how many times have we had that moment where it's like that was, I was pretty happy. I mean, things were chill. We were happy. Whoa. He calls things into being that were not. I just feel God looking throughout the room this morning, and I literally, I, can, I feel he's just, calling things into being. And he's just saying, what are you going to do with it? What are you, well, I believe, awesome. What else are you going to do? You see, there's this, there's this thing with God that we see it throughout scripture that sometimes there's, there's I remember when, uh, remember when David wanted to build a, a house for the Lord? Remember the scripture where David wanted to build this house and God said, I'm glad it's in your heart. I'm glad you believed, but you can't. And and then his son got to build it. Solomon got to build it. God said, I'm glad you believed. God said to Abram, I'm glad you believed, but there is more to the process. God's saying to you this morning, good job believing. Really, good job believing but there is another step. And it's taking it from here to here and becoming. And the Lord had looked at Abram and he saw saw Abraham when he looked at him. The Lord looked at Simon and he saw Peter, a rock. Peter Peter is just one of my favorite to read about. And I love seeing what God called out in them and what you see. Because Peter was just the one that was always saying something crazy. It's like, oh, every church has them, you know. It's a a joke. (laughs) And God's like, oh, Peter. Can't you just hear God saying that over and over? Peter, Peter, Peter. You didn't need to do that. There were constantly things happening. But Peter was also the one that, that when, when the Lord Jesus turned to the disciples and he just preached his super controversial sermon. He just fed them, did an awesome miracle, 
whoa. And then he drops the bomb on him that you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Whoa. And it says that the scripture, and, and, and it could be interpreted different ways, but I interpret it that the Lord kind of turns to his disciples who are the ones left standing there after the building, is, after the facility has cleared. And he says, what do you think? Peter's the one's like, well, all I know is that your words bring me life. And where else would I go? All I know. I don't get it. He didn't say, well, I understand. No, he clearly was pulling a, I actually really don't get that, just to be honest with you. <laughs> but when you speak, I feel life. So here's where I'm at. Where else am I going to go? And the disciples are like, we're with him. <laughs> Peter's the one that sees Jesus, looks out there, and says, well, he's walking on water. Here we go. But the Lord saw Simon and said, I see a Peter. The Lord saw Abraham, Abram and said, I see an Abraham. He saw Sarai and said, I see a Sarah. He saw Jacob and said, I see an Israel. There's a season where everything we know at times can fall away to make room for everything he's preparing. There are times where everything we've been comfortable gets shaken up because he's calling you into something new. I said this at the worship night, but it, it says in First Kings there was this unique passage where the prophet Elijah was kind of on the run and he went and, you know, set up camp by a river in Kareth and it was where the ravens would bring him bread and meat. Pretty cool. I know you've read it a lot, but it's pretty cool. You know, here comes the bird with breakfast. It's, it's pretty cool. And, and, and how many of you know, it was pretty good setup. I got a river. I got food on demand from these birds. And God began to stir Elijah's heart and says, it's time to move on. What happened? The water dried up. That'll get you moving. Sometimes people think that when things are drying up, sometimes you might even believe that, well, am I in the wrong place? Have I messed up? Maybe it's just that God's trying to move you to the new watering hole. And he says, I have to dry this one up because if I don't, I know you'll hang out here forever. Maybe I'm gonna move you on to being father of nations and if you, if you just keep that name Abram, you're not gonna really go for it. So let's change it to Abraham. There comes a point where you have to commit. Transition sometimes can be scary, it can be painful, it can feel dangerous, and thank goodness it doesn't always last forever. Everybody, amen. Abraham and Sarah were no spring chickens to be stepping into a big identity like this. And they could have said, well, you know, we've held on for 25 years. I'm 100, she's 90. We're good. We got our Ishmael. We got our version of the promise. Ooh, I just got goosebumps. But they made a decision that anything less than his promise was not good enough. And that's where we're at. I can speak for a house, but it's also for you personally. Anything less than his promise is not good enough. 
some of you have been um, really uh, jolted in a lot of the things that maybe you've believed. Um, I mean, that's a good thing. I promise you, it will one day feel like a good thing. <laughs> I was pretty settled in that. I was scared of my God, but at least I felt okay in it. And here you are bringing this whole new message about God is really good. And he's not really controlling you. He's actually giving you what the Bible says is self-control. It's easier to say he controls me. That way when I fail, I can blame him. But he's not. See, that's kind of like, <laughs> I tell people, it's kind of like playing golf. I like golf, but I'm terrible at golf. Bad thing about golf is you can't blame the opposing team. <laughs> you know what I mean? You play basketball, you play baseball, you play football. You can blame the other team. So they, were, they were better than us or they weren't playing fair. You stink in golf. You just stink. It's like the best you got is weather. Well, the wind was blowing and threw my game off. And, and <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> me and Eric golf all the time. First, I got a story and I'm, I'm really, I'm done with my notes. So I'm gonna wrap it up. And I was, it was like the first time we played together and I was playing my worst which is really bad. <laughs> and I'm like coming up to the green and I'm going to chip and I'm really bad at chipping. And I'm going to chip it up on the green. I hit it way too hard. And it's like, oh, I see it shooting over the green. It hits the rake somehow on the other side, ricochets back and lands right by the hole. And Eric's like, you can't bring God on the golf course. That's not allowed. It's like, you leave that at home. I'm like, listen. Favor, baby. <laughs> Apparently, it didn't last beyond that hit, but I think sometimes that we, get, we grow comfortable with things like being able to say, well, you know, God is in control, and it's because that's what we've heard, and I get the thinking behind it. I really do. But the problem is, is God's saying, actually, I've given you self-control. For me to control you would be going against what I already gave you. And the problem is, though, when you think someone else controls you, you can blame everything else on them. And there's never a growing point in it. But at some point, I have to be able to say, listen, I really messed up, and it's on me. <laughs> the laughter stops. I was, I was texting back and forth about a month ago with... Uh, actually, uh, Jonathan Welton and I said, you know, I feel like the church really needs to grow in its ability to restore people. Yeah. I said, I feel like we've really blown this, how we've handled restoring people. And I said, I, I'd love, I think we need to begin praying for some new tools. And, and he sent me this big list. But he's, the first thing he says, the first thing we got to begin to do is to take responsibility. And right up front say it was my mistake. He said, there's no way you can get to the point of freedom if you can't right up front say, I control myself and I messed up. And God is changing things. He's helping us see things differently. And it's okay. It's okay. I mean, you, it, it's going from that Abram to Abraham. This is what I knew. This is where I thought I was. And then God, you're taking me over here and this is crazy. And it'd be easier to stay there. Where's the fun in that? Some of you say, I'm perfectly happy there. I'm not happy unless I'm right in the middle of his promise. And, and I, I mean that. Some of the places that we're going, some of the things that we're teaching are here in the, in the Bible Belt. God is unbuckling the Bible belt. <laughs> he's unbuckling that belt. And he's loosening it up. People, <laughs> I just see someone unbuckling their belt to eat dinner. It's like, I'm going to start eating good. I'm just going to loosen up. 
And God is unbuckling that belt because he's getting ready to let people start really just eating up his goodness. And the atmosphere is shifting. It's changing. I'm telling you, I get to hang around and talk to people that are, I'm telling you, it's shifting. People are moving to Charlotte because they feel something's happening here. People are coming to this town. And, and I don't believe the lies. It's just a religious place. And I don't, I don't. No, his presence is here. I can feel it almost every Sunday coming down Providence Road. I get so close and there it is. I feel it. There it is. It's his city. And I look forward to the day that Charlotte can represent him the best. When people look at Charlotte, they say, it really is the queen city. It really is an accurate bride of Christ. It, it really is. I mean, because God actually cares about who his son marries. I preached this last week. I'm not going there again. Some of you are like, oh, here we go again. I cried last week about this, and you would make me cry again. But God does not give his son away to trash. And if that's your view, and you've bought into lies about yourself, you're not seeing yourself the way God sees you. Because he's too good to let his son marry that. This city will be known for being a bride of Christ. And they'll represent him well. I think you're with me, but I got it if you're not. Because <laughs> I'm going to go for it, man. I'm going with or without you guys. So <laughs> if you're, I think you're with me. Father, we love you. Let's stand. Father, we love you. I want to speak to the promises right now that you've been carrying. And let me just say this. There, there is no expiration date on promises. I want to make that clear. If you die, the promise will live on. Your expiration date doesn't affect the promise. So there is no expiration date on promises. I even believe that people that were given promises that didn't pick them up will be picked up by other people. Because the promise doesn't die. Because if it's a word from God, it's life, and there's no death in God. His words are life. They cannot die. You and me can, the word can't. So I pray right now over the promises that you're carrying. Some of you feel like you're at the end of a pregnancy. My body is tired. My mind is tired. I've been carrying this a long time. I'd really love to meet it. Align your identity. Align your identity. I am what he says I am. I want you to take that promise right now and I want you to bring it before the Lord. If it's a promise of ministry, if it's a promise of children, if it's a promise of a spouse, whatever it is, I want you to begin to take your words and to take it from your head to your heart and begin to align your words with it. It could be, I am gonna be a mother of two or of one or of three. I am going to be a wife. I am going to be a minister of the gospel that does whatever. I am, I am. That was his name. I am. So speak it out. You know, Jesus has a really good reputation for showing up where things were dead and saying, oh, it's not dead. <laughs> Just sleeping. 
I mean, he showed up to his friend's funeral four days late. That's rough. But he said, it's all right, I got this. What was the point? There's more to that scripture than most of us understand, but he was making a point because they believed within three days someone could be raised from the dead. Nobody can be raised after three. <laughs> Jesus said, so watch this. I'm gonna show up on the fourth day. <laughs> he loves to show up and show off. So the things that you really thought are that dead, like they're stinky dead, that dead. He says, no, they're not. I got this. I speak to the things that you think died a long time ago. And I say they might look differently now than they did then because promises can look different in different seasons. But the promises are not dead. And I call them out right now. I want to pray over all the men now. I don't know why, I just feel like a grace in the room for the men right now. So every guy, if you would, just put your hands up just like this. Every guy. I'll get to you just a second, ladies. Hang tight. Just feel a grace to go for this. I speak over every man in this house from young to old, and I pray over you the courage to step in to the promises that you carry. I pray that you would hear the, whoa. And for the guys that aren't here, that are represented by a spouse or a mother, I speak that the Lord, the things that don't look like there's anything there, he calls it into being. He doesn't just call it into knowing. He calls it into being. I speak courage over you to be the man of God that God created you to be and to not worry about what it looks like, but just to be it. I pray that those of you that have carried promises that look like they've died, I pray that they would come to life. God just says it's just sleeping. Come to life. I speak, I speak that the men would raise up and that you would be men that hear the voice of the Lord clearly. For too long, we put all that burden on, our, on the wives and the spouses. We need to be men who just as much as them hear the voice of the Lord and we walk in his, the direction that he guides us in. I speak that you'd be sensitive to hear him and that you'd be sensitive to speak what he tells you to speak. In Jesus' name. Let's pray over the ladies real quick. Ladies, just put your hands out right now. Thanks. Lord, I pray over every lady in this room and those that are represented by a spouse or a parent. <sighs> you know, I just, I don't know why, I'm gonna just stay here, but I keep hearing that for many of you, it's time to go from a princess to a mother. How many of you know that when we're daddy's little girl, we're his princess? kind of like Sarai. But God said it's time for me to go from just my princess to a mother of nations. I literally feel that word for someone in here that it means a lot to you that God is saying it's time to go from being a princess to a mother. Does that mean anything to someone in here? Like, like thanks. Okay. I had a feeling it did. And here, and here. Yeah, I thought so. I don't need to break it apart, but I just, I do feel that for specifically for a few ladies, God's saying it's time for you to go from being his princess to, his, to a mother. Mothers are strong, so strong. Their ability to see something and to call it out is powerful. Their ability to protect is powerful. You don't mess with a mama. I don't care if it's a human. I don't care if it's a mama dog, whatever it is, you don't mess with mama. And there is something that God's putting into you that says, I will protect what you've given me. I'm going from being just daddy's little princess to I will protect and I will raise up. 
speak over every lady in this room that you would grow in your grow in your sensitivity to hear the voice of the Lord. That you would grow in your ability to be able to discern what He's saying. Discernment's powerful. I release just discernment over you. When you face those those situations and you say, "I don't really know what's what's truth here. It's confusing." Discernment over you. Discernment over you. Speak over you that are parents of children that are older, that you would be able to be and walk out a mother that represents the Holy Spirit well. And just from being around mom, I have a drive to know the Lord more. I pray you would be supported. I pray you would be surrounded. I pray relationships that are covenant relationships with other ladies. That's just what I'm feeling right now. They're covenant relationships that are not broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we quit, we speak over this house the promises that are here that have come from generations, the promises that are resting here. We don't just say, oh, that's, that's cool. I mean, that'd be great. No, we say, that's who we are. That's who we are. And we step into them and we ponder them and we keep them right here. I pray that we would be a people that are so possessed by Jesus that people are around us and just, they can't help but feel him. Strength, strength. If you need strength, just say, I receive it. Because <laughs> I can feel it in the room like I need strength. I need strength, I need strength. I receive it, I receive it. One more. I pray over all the marriages. I pray over those of you that are married and I pray over you that the Lord would surround you. And I speak over your marriage, even the ones of you that are in a place that it feels like it's, it's not going so hot. It doesn't look like it's going so great. I pray that you would see it through God's eyes. I pray that the promise of marriage would possess you. You wouldn't act from a place of emotions that are on how you feel, but, but more of, of what God is calling you to be. Emotions are powerful and they can be great, but they can also be misleading if they're rooted wrong. But I pray you can anchor into the truth of that God is for your marriage. In Jesus' name, amen.